Moto Spot Show. What's up, everybody? We are back. Episode 21. 21 episodes. I would have never thought this would be happening. I'm doing a podcast, having fun with my friends, talking dirt bikes, talking industry, and trying to give you guys a behind-the-scenes look at you know what we do in the daily life of power sports and, and just everything in general. So, again, thank you to everybody that listens. Thank you to everybody that gives me feedback, Texas messages, Instagram, DMs, just, you know, was able to do a podcast the other day with some guys from Australia, Trent and Nick over at Moto Limited. So, I mean, never in a million years did I think I was going to be doing that. So, again, huge thanks to Spot Network for making this all possible. Without Brent and the team over there, I would not be doing this. So, again, check those guys out, Spot Network app. And also huge thanks to our sponsors, Bell Ray, Motion Pro, Scott Goggles, and uh, Works Connection. You know, I've had those relationships for a very long time, and when I reached out to those guys, they're like, yeah, whatever you need, let us know. So we'll be having some giveaways here soon with those guys. Um, Scott's actually going to be sending us a signed goggle from Mitch Payton, so I'm excited to get that in my hands and, and get that to you guys and do a giveaway. So make sure to check that out on our Instagram, at Moto Spot Show. But with that being said, again, thank you guys. I'm I'm super thankful. So we're going to get to our guest and have some fun today. It's going to be an episode that I haven't done yet where it's going to be mostly about him and his racing career, his past, how he got in the industry. And, it's, you know, it's not just one of those behind the scenes. He's he's still a racer. He's still working his tail off. He's grinding every day. And uh, I'm excited to have him on. So let's get to it. Connor Olson is, uh, man, he's... I don't even know what to say about this guy, but he's grinding, almost got top 20 at uh, an outdoor national if it wasn't for his mechanic. So we're going to get to that story here in a little bit. But Connor, thanks for taking the time on this Sunday to get to us. How are you? No worries, Justin. I'm good. Doing good. How are you? I'm good. Dude, do not call me Justin. I hate it. No, I'm just kidding. Triple whatever. <laughs> I just kidding. Whatever, whatever just, you want me to say. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's a professional setting, you know. I know. I know. I know. I, it's <laughs> weird, dude. Like, I, people are like, how's Tennessee? And like, I'm, I, the best way I can describe it is I love Tennessee, but it's like I'm Justin in Tennessee, and in California, I'm triple. Like, it's funny how, like, the differences are. Yeah. But I enjoy you're it. Almost get, you're almost getting blown away by tornadoes this weekend out there. Dude, like it's crazy. Um, I didn't realize how bad it was because it wasn't our house didn't really get hit. But the more I'm on Instagram and seeing everything, it was yeah. just crazy. Like roads were closed. Houses were flooded. Like we're having that Nashville strong again. It's like a year later from a tornado and same time yeah. this year. It's got to love you missed tornado, out season. On, uh, tornado season. 90s, 90s out here all weekend. Just out. Glen Helen out at Fox Raceway today, just yeah, just putting, putting in the work, time. putting in the work, huh? Who's who's out there today? Was there anybody? Also. Was there anybody out there? Or was or is everybody like ride during the, uh, during the week? No, yeah, they're all they're all weekday guys. Okay, none of them have a uh, full time job, so. Yeah, I mean that is their full time job, right? So like they kind of take well, the weekends yeah. off. So um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For you, they were all like, golfing, living there, and you know, being on the weekends, you have to work. You work. I guess we'll get to that first. We'll kind of, you know, give people a rundown of who you are. You've been on the show before. You were at Alpine Star, but before Alpine Star, you were at Fox, and now you've left Alpine yep. Star and went back to Fox. So it's it's mm-hmm. kind of been a crazy ride for you. At all the same time of doing this traveling for your job, you've been working uh, towards you know your career in pro motocross. So what's that like? Like just being a guy that's eighty hour, not eighty, but let's say. 50 hours, 60 hours, because as a rep, you know, we don't have a, a clock. 120 hours. Yeah, we don't have a clock where we clock in and clock out. So for you, what's that like trying to balance the work and the pro motocross uh, lifestyle? Yeah, it's um, obviously it's been, it, it's always, it's always tough um, just finding the time to do stuff. And it's a, a little bit, 
honestly, it's, uh, it's easier now. Um, I have a, a smaller territory, well, obviously a smaller territory than my previous position was the whole country, but now I have a smaller territory of about two hours from my house. So getting yeah. a little bit more time in the mornings or in the evenings to, to be able to like get in a workout or, or do something um, has been a little bit easier now. And the last two years, um, basically just living on the road, like it was, I would just, wake up at five and some random hotel in some place in the country and hope they had a good enough gym to get a decent workout in. And I was super fortunate. Um, last year, like I think we talked about it a little bit on the first show that we did. Um, I was super fortunate to be able to race the last two years, like while I was working yeah. and doing stuff with a star and just seeing dealers during the week and then getting to ride, um, and race on weekends, like kind of wherever I was. So, it's definitely a balancing act, uh, trying to just figure out the right amount of time to, to find the motivation and, and like time right. to actually work out and do stuff while you're, while you're working. And I mean, you get it. Like yeah. you do a lot of the same stuff with, with work stuff. So like yeah. getting home and you have 15 emails and have to build a bunch of orders and there goes your evening of like having to, having to get a good workout in or something. Well, the thing too, like for us reps, like a lot of people don't realize, like it's hard for us to eat quality food too. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, you're on the road so much and you're just putting in miles. So you're like, man, like I don't, I just want to keep going. Like, I don't want to stop and eat. Like I'll just grab something quick or whatever. Like there's a lot more, there's a lot of people that have better, um, I guess like not motivation, but I guess, um, strength to just make sure they they're meal prepping and doing all that. So for you, like yeah. there's times where you would be away from home for 30, 60, 90 days. So I can only imagine what it was like, not yeah. only trying to balance work, but also balance a, a diet so you can go out and race too. Cause I know for you, like yeah. you were kind of like not heavy, like I wouldn't say heavy like me, but you were, you were definitely not <laughs> racing weight. You know what I mean? And then in the last year you no. really like trimmed down. So. Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, like you said, just finding a, finding, the motivation to like be able to stay on a diet and not even diet. Like, I don't think that's the right word, but just like eating clean right. um, while you're traveling. And like, I mean, like you said, being gone 30, 60 something days at a time, like finding healthy food in some places in around the country is like damn near impossible. So yeah, trying to find something healthy, like when you're eating three meals out a day for two months straight, like it's pretty rough. So a lot of that, um, a lot of this, like my new position has helped being, being home. I mean, I eat breakfast and dinner at home and bring lunch with me and like found some meal prep companies here in SoCal. So it's been, uh, it's been nice to find, like to find that and be able to kind of take things a little bit more seriously. And I've gotten back into cycling a lot, um, which has been a huge help, like being able to just ride right out of my garage and have a, 20 mile loop or 40 mile loop or something right out of the house has been great. And now that the time change and the weather and like getting able to being able to get up at six and go ride and have it warm enough and stuff has been great for, uh, for SoCal and like on the East coast or growing up in Colorado, like that wasn't happening. It'd be snowing still. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, those views ain't bad either. Like some of the, I mean, being able to ride along the yeah. ocean on some days and, or ride around like through some some cool towns and and downtown areas like yeah it's you can't cool beat like, it for sure no you can't and, like 
sometimes in SoCal, it's almost better to ride a bicycle than it is to drive a car anyways because it's like traffic is so gnarly. Um, yeah. There's plenty of times where I pass groups of cars like 40 times. Yeah. Every stoplight, I just pass them all. You're like, hey, wave, and you're like, hey, have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get to the coffee shop, drink, go ride, and still make it back to the coffee shop before you get there. So, yeah, for real. Um, let's talk a little bit about that, though. Call, you bring up Colorado. So for you, like you grew up, you were born and raised. Well, you actually were born in California, but then your family moved you to Colorado. Yep. And you and your brother were born and raised in Colorado. Not born, sorry. You were raised in Colorado. So, I mean, like, what was yeah. that like? You know, there's some fast guys that came out of Colorado. Um, did you race any of those guys? Like, you know, Eli's up in that, er- that area, but I know the age is a little bit different. But I mean, is there any guys that you raced against back in the day that really helped you become – um, a faster racer yeah i mean um even even now like the colorado moto scene is, is one of the biggest that like i've ever seen as far as like a community and everyone kind of together and like the, the seriousness of the whole thing yeah even in i mean it's not like in socal and on the east coast when i lived there for a little bit like it's nowhere near that um in, in anywhere that else core. other than yeah yeah, it's just like a full group. Everything's AMA. Like, there's contingency. It's a pretty big deal. Um, so just like you said, I, I, my brother and I were both born in Northern California, but we moved when I was one or one and a half or something. Mm-hmm. And we grew up in Colorado and just got into riding because my dad rode. And I think we just went to a race one time. And from then, I've pretty much ridden and raced like every weekend since I was like two or something, probably. Right. But like starting racing when I was four, um, just, yeah, there was, there was, Eli was around just here and there, but not a ton. Like he was usually doing amateur national stuff. So like we would run into him at nationals and everything. But now like all of these dudes that have grown up, um, a couple years ago, the weekend before or after the national or something, we were at a, I was at a pro-am race and just out of the Colorado pros, I think there was like 16 license holding national guys That's just crazy. on the gate, like that all live in and around Denver Yeah, and basically race like every weekend. So the amount of people that show up every weekend and ride and like the amount of caliber of guys that show up out of Colorado is pretty insane. Um, I mean, I, they just had a race, I think, this weekend, and it, it was, like, snowing, and they had record attendance and stuff. So That's insane. It's, uh, yeah, they still they still crank out. They have a huge turnout of guys out there, and the caliper, like I said, is, is pretty impressive, too. So yeah, that was that was cool. I mean, getting to grow up with all that. I mean, Derek Anderson and Tucker Stay, and, um, yep. like, they did that Driven to Ride series, and they, uh, I mean, Derek's top 10 nationals, so still riding around and racing and doing stuff so it's uh it was always cool to to grow up around all of that and get get the experience and i mean there's I, you deal with it now with yeah. like how far tracks are from you but i mean there's within two hours of denver there's like 10 tracks that's cool yeah i mean it makes it fun to where like you you know when you're going to the track you're gonna have some good competition and like i actually had a chance yeah. to to meet and hang out with Tucker and Derek and I think 2010 uh we f- were hooked up with them we did Hangtown Washugo and Paula I believe um they were h- hooked up with the Finks and the McDonough's and we yeah. all like got uh-huh. to do like PIR and they seem like really rad dudes um so that was cool to see those guys and then again like it's such as our community is so small and then I meet you and you're like dude like I've, I've met those guys before it's crazy how like everything kind of 
it's, you just never know who you're going to meet in our industry. So it's pretty cool. I, I think that's what I love about most is like you can meet somebody from Colorado and then five years later meet somebody else. And it's like you just everybody yeah. kind of knows everybody, I guess you could say. Yeah, totally. But I think for you, what what I've noticed the most is like you're kind of doing it all on your own now. Like I, th- I think your parents stopped. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Gary still comes. I, I met him at Indiana last year, right? Two years ago. I don't know. Two if it was, years. Yeah, two years. So it's like you're doing it all on your own, but Gary's still helping. So for you, like to hold a full time job and, and do it all on your own, like what what was that transition like? Like when did when did you start like kind of taking on the full responsibility of bikes, getting your own bikes, paying for your own bikes, paying for your own gear? Like luckily you've been in the industry, so you got deals. But what was that transition yeah. transition like to kind of like? Did you ever have a point where you're like, man, I can't do this anymore? Like I'm over it. Um, not. Not too much. Like I, I think I've I've been fortunate enough and like driven enough, I guess, that that's never really even been an option, like in my head. Yeah. Um but I think just, just growing up and like getting older, having jobs, like I started my first job, I worked at a dealership, so like I would buy parts and stuff. My dad would always help with bikes and then um it just got to a certain point that I was basically making enough money and doing stuff that he just said here you go you do it so yeah um they my parents are always around to help like no matter what i mean like you said my dad comes to races he went to both both of the rounds i did last year he's already looking at flights for for all the ones for this upcoming season and um he's always around to help with anything i need so is my mom and my brother um yeah. but yeah it's always just it, it was tough moving to the east coast and now being out here like i'm not around really all that much besides like holidays so that's just another time for my dad uh to get to see me and then my mom and brother typically go out to um thunder valley for that national too so okay yeah let's uh let's talk about that like that transition for you like okay so you you grew up in colorado you raced in colorado you worked at dealerships you did the whole nine you kind of took that path before you got your job with Fox and got in the industry, like what, when did you decide, okay, I'm not going to make it racing when I need to get a job. And like, how did you get a rep job? Like, how did you go from Colorado to, I believe Georgia, right? You moved to Georgia and took over that territory. South Carolina. South Carolina. So yeah, like how did that, yeah. how did that transition happen? So I was, um, I was at a dealership at the time. I worked at two, two different dealerships for, uh, like they're pretty much remainder of my teens or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then I just, I got to know this buy rep in Colorado, Davey Gonzalez. I got to know him really well. Like was one of his, whatever regional riders or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Just, um, just got to know him. Yeah. yeah. I got to know him really well. And one day like, I would help him with events and stuff. And then one day he's like, Hey, why don't you just like work for me and just like get paid to do this. So I started doing that with, um, we had like an independent sales agency and did a handful of different brands and um, did a lot of stuff in the snow, like on the snow sports side. So basically every winter, like I just wouldn't ride. I mean, I'd ride all summer and race and like the season in Colorado was March to October or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so from October to March, like we would always have trade shows and do all this other stuff for snow, for snow sports stuff. And I'd go snowboard and, get 40 50 days or whatever up on the mountain so every year so like that was what we did in the winter but i basically just started at that and uh my our initial boss at the first dealership i worked at actually within a couple of years had 
moved to Fox actually and taken over that territory in Colorado. So okay. as I kind of progressed and made it a couple of years doing the independent thing, I just saw that that one territory was open for Fox. And I asked, asked all those guys about it in Colorado that I knew and decided to apply for it and take that jump and just sort of, um, honestly just jump in head first. Like I'd never been to the East coast ever. Um, my old boss at like at the time when I worked at, um, Fox actually flew to the Thunder Valley national in 2016. And him and my now current boss actually interviewed me at a Mexican restaurant, like right down the street from the national as like in between track walk and, um, and tech inspection. Oh, really? So we like went, yeah, we like went down the street and had a full blown interview, like during the middle of the day on Friday at a Mexican restaurant right next to the track. And he called me on Monday and said, cool. Yeah. We want you there ready to work in two weeks. Yeah. That's kind of what like, happened. Uh, that's kind of what happened to me a little bit too. Cause you and I had the same boss. And when I lived in California, yep. he flew out, we met at a hotel, talked for, talked for 10 minutes. Um, and then just, you know, he said, you got the job. Sorry. sorry sorry about that guys we uh we had a phone phone drop so my bad on that um shit like crazy my bad uh first technical difficulties in 20 21 episodes of course it's with me i know right it never fails um but so back to what we were saying like you you got the you had the interview uh and your boss said hey i need you there in two weeks and i was like yeah and you know, for me, like I said, we had the same boss and that happened to me as well too. Like he came out to California, we met at a hotel, interviewed maybe 20, 30 minutes. And then he like flew back and he's like, all right, just, we need you here by this date. I'm like, okay. So just moved, yeah. to, moved to Indiana, cold Turkey. And it sounds kind of that's the same thing that happened to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, uh, I mean, I ended up there for three, three and a half years, I think almost, um, which was cool. Like it was cool to get to see a different part of the country and different people, like just the, the amount of like personal growing experiences there was pretty awesome. Aside from all the business and like racing stuff and all that, um, just seeing a different part of the country was pretty cool at that time. I mean, I raced and grew up in like, obviously in Colorado, but we would go to California in the winter and go to Texas, like go anywhere that was warm enough to race and ride. Um, never did too much like amateur national stuff, but like we would always do like Lake Whitney and some of the races at Oak Hill and come down to do Glen Helen and some of that stuff and like Mesquite, um, just any of those races, like when it was warm enough to go do stuff, we would always leave in the, in the winter, um, to do that. Okay. So like, was it for you, which did you have like a favorite track growing up or did you have something like you looked forward to that? Cause I know like Whitney and Oak Hill, like back in the day, those were like the events to go to. Like it was like, okay, oh, yeah. like Whitney. And then it was Loretta's. Like those were like the three main big ones. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say. Cause like Lake Whitney was epic. Like that place was unreal. Just like the whole vibe of it. You're sitting right there on the river, like in a hunting preserve. Like that place was insane. I probably, I would love it now basically like right. I, I don't know i don't know how much i liked it on an 80 when it was like rough and gnarly and like 
sketchy track conditions of like things that I enjoy now. Um, I would, yeah, I would like it now, but there's, there's one track in Colorado. It's called Sweeney cycle park. It's in brush. Like if anyone follows me or like keeper, anyone like that's the spot to go in Colorado. Like that's the, that track is just insane. The Sweeney family does a super good job out there and it's like, only open certain times. So it's not like you can just go out there and ride all the time and just get burnt out on it. But that place has just forever been and will be probably my favorite track in the whole country. I think, is that the one that the Kiefer stopped on the way to Loretta's last year? Like the yeah. super deep, like brownie butter or bat batter. Yep. Like that one was just super. Yeah. Deep. That's like literally just the, um, Mikey, the, the son took, uh, took the tractor and just prepped in a corner track. They have a main track that's in the front that's epic and super awesome. But Mikey just took a tractor and just cut a corner track in, and that's how good it is. That's how good the dirt is there. That's rad. Like it, you know, it's like two hours east of Denver, like in the middle of nowhere. Just nothing, nothing but fields. <laughs> we had like a couple of that, like because uh, like where I grew up, it was uh, a lot of vineyards, so like the dirt was yeah. really good. Um, so like I have, yeah, similar, I, to, similar to Oakfield, like kind of like that, just in the middle of nowhere, just cut in with a super good like loamy topsoil farming dirt. Right. Yeah, just nice loam. Gets good yeah. ruts. Gets if you get a lot of people, it gets rough. Hell yeah! No, I I I think that's kind of what's one of the things that I've noticed a lot about you is you kind of came up with a lot of fast guys, and even now today, I mean, you're riding with riding with fast guys like you talk about chris like you're from colorado you moved to the east coast you work for alpine star on the east coast then you moved to california so like you had that whole story and then now you're back in california full-time living there and and like now like i said you're training training all day you're riding all the time and you got and you got now you're friends with Kiefer. like how did that all happen like you know what i mean it's like these relationships for you like how are how is everything progressing to where you came from just being a kid in Colorado, but to now being pretty well known in the industry. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I think it's just sort of, someone asked me this actually the other day too, like just asked me a question, like through Instagram, some person. And I was like, I just kind of have been like at the right place at the right time sort of deal. Like growing, like when I was on the East coast, I would just go to club all like every weekend and ride the practice track on Saturdays. Um, whenever it was open and I just like got to know all the guys at club and, um, and then you just meet people through them and then you meet other athletes through them and all that. And, the, and Kenny, our friend, Kenny day, my roommate, he's the Fox, um, pro MX manager used to be the traders team manager, um, which at one point was club traders redemption, the CTR team. Um, we both worked at Alpine stars at the same time. So I got to know Kenny really well and Kenny is good friends with Kiefer and does a bunch of testing and things with him. So gotcha. okay. it all just kind of, kind of worked out. And that's like how I met Cody shock and then Tony Archer and Brock urban and all these guys that are like now super good friends, just kind of honestly just happenstance. Like I went to a job and Kenny happened to go to the job and now we are the bestest of friends and, <laughs> and like just get to kind of know everyone. It's just one big circle. Yeah. I mean, you you know, too, like you just meet people and then they introduce you to other people. And same way you introduced me to Cody from Bell Ray and, and 
any just any of the other industry guys. You just kind of get to meet people and just continue your um, portfolio of, of business cards and contacts and stuff, which is awesome. Like you said, for me, like going from Colorado sort of in the industry and then sort of taking a uh, job at Fox on one side of the country and then working for A-Star for the entire country and then now having a job with Fox on the West Coast. Like it's been, uh, I kind of have people like all over the place from a bunch of different different territories and I've gotten to see a lot of different things um, which has helped in like my professional life, like work-wise, just being able yeah. to see dealers on, in Miami and Portland and Vegas and like just all over stuff in Tennessee compared to SoCal and Texas and everything. Right. Yeah. The portfolio just keeps stacking and stacking and just the knowledge yeah. and wisdom. Like it's, it's pretty cool. Like when you can walk into a dealer and be like, okay, like I know this will work or I won't know this won't work. Like I've been to almost 50 states of motorcycle dealerships. Yeah. So it's like, I've seen, you know, probably honestly, it sounds, um, exaggerating, but you've probably seen over a thousand dealers. Um, I would. I mean, it's like oh, you, sure. you know what I mean. Probably like, this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with just Alpine Star alone. I mean, there's 150 of us reps, and if you travel with 10 of them, you know what I mean. It's like it's crazy. You know what I mean. Like each rep has probably over 50 accounts, so it's like you know what I mean. It's it adds up quick, so you can you can see a lot yeah. of different things and and build your portfolio and see displays and see how things are merchandised and get marketing ideas and whatnot. So, but like what, like what you For said sure. earlier about relationships. So it's, it's cool. Like I, I think that's my, my favorite part about working in this industry is, um, it's kind of one of those things to where if you build a relationship, it stays along, it turns into a, a friendship, right? Like everybody becomes pretty close and, and you, and you, you almost get new friends through it instead of like, you know, we're other stuff, other sports or whatever. It's like you play with them or, you meet them and it's like, okay, like I'll see you in like three years or four years or five years. Or I'll never see you again. Where it's like, yeah. with our really, it's like we see, see each other quite a bit or talk to each other quite a bit. Cause we're all trying to feed off each other and, and get information and, and build, um, our portfolio. So I, I love it for sure. I mean, for me and you, like that's how it kind of all started. Like I just met you randomly in Indiana and then like at Supercross, And then from there, just our stories were super similar and we had kind of the same, same uh I don't yeah. Know. yeah same past i guess you could say to where we kind of just had to adapt and, and move move from where we live to to get involved and get more progressive in in our careers so i think that's what made us connect really well and I'm, I'm excited to have you like i said you're my first guest i've had twice on so far so the story that you have is pretty rad for sure yeah i think uh i mean i think that was one of the things that like we talked about was the first time I mean, I came on with your brother-in-law on the first show and we sort of just talked about like racing and my racing a little bit because the nationals had just gotten over and, um, just, uh, not really in depth about any, anything of like my, my past more so just kind of what was going on in the industry and, and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that, that brings me to a point. I listened to your last podcast show with Sam Redman. Yeah about him being the first athlete you've ever had on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did say that. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I instantly texted you right after that. Because I, I happened to be on the first show, and, and if I remember right, it was like two weeks after the Nationals. Yeah, you were an active racer. That we were talking about me racing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Like, I I said it, and then I, you called me, and you're like, dude, what the hell? And I'm like, what do I do now? And you're like, 
seriously like you 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 have a milestone on episode 20 crushing, say, crushing the first... my hopes and dreams <laughs> yeah i was like well i should have said well, super cross real athlete i should have said super yeah, cross is what i should have said and I, I didn't so that's my bad bro but speaking of relationships who would ever thought that we would make relationships through a gaming device like i right. mean it's crazy i would have never thought in a million years that you would meet people and become friends through Xbox. Like, I just, I just think that's hilarious to me. I think it's, I mean, I think it's a lot more common probably than you think. Like, especially with all of, all of, uh, I'm, I'm, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes as us, like athletes and, and even industry guys, but like mainly the athletes. I mean, we know a bunch of guys that we have met and become pretty good friends with through Xbox that are factory level professional dudes that, that's what we all kind of do in our free time. Like yeah. we go ride and train and like you and I work and then everyone kind of joins Un- together. And yeah, yeah, that's, that's our social time. That's where we get together. And, and I mean, yeah, we, we talk and stuff with people in Florida all the time. I mean, Cam's in Qatar right now. Like we have friends all over the entire country and all over the world that we've all yeah. kind of grown super close with, which is awesome. Yeah, I was just never. I mean, back in the day, you kind of just stayed with your your tight knit friends, and it's like now it's like we're all so, uh, I wouldn't say bigger, but we're all just more involved now. So it's like our relationship expansion has just been crazy because this person knows this person, and this person knows that person. It's like holy shit, yeah. like we can't keep up. Like our lobbies are like filling up so fast. It's like, dude, I'm sorry, like I'm full already. Or like it's like it's just insane. I would just never have thought you know, through a game, through that kind of device that you would meet people and, and become friends with them. That's just, you know what I mean? It's like everybody thinks Facebook yeah. or Instagram or whatever. It's like, no, like you can, there's just so many, what I'm getting at is this is just so many ways to market yourself. Right. So like, or meet people, not just, to, not just become friends with them, but just market. Like, so you've, let's say five years from now, if you were ever to leave Fox, you could be like, Oh yeah, I met this person through this platform. And it's like, now we're friends. And, you know, it's like, yeah. you, just, you just never know. Like you're, you're always building your brand. And I think you do a great job doing that. You're always out at events or out, you know, riding or playing Xbox or whatever. It's so what I'm trying to say to our listeners, listeners is like, Hey, like just always be yourself and like, don't be afraid to like meet people or, or do things. Cause you just never just, know what's going to happen. Play Xbox, that's all you're saying. No, I mean, you can, if you want, you, you can add <laughs> me, like, you can, you can add me. Like I mean, my lobbies are going to be full probably, but you can add me. <laughs> Uh, you're a big deal stop it uh you're you're a big deal let's see here like <laughs> looking at your results here so let's let's look at your results so you did 32nd fox 32nd thunder valley 39th buds 33rd thunder valley and 32nd thunder valley and 27 at utah so there's an event in here where you were running top 20 but your mechanic you, mm. you have a story about this like you were texting yeah. and said there's a story to one of these to one of these nationals. It was uh Thunder Valley twenty seventeen. Okay. Um <laughs> there's actually a, a much bigger story about the whole thing. So this was taking place, like obviously we've gone through I grew up in Colorado, but I was living on the East Coast and my buddy Jesse and I we would um we would leave a week before the national, uh, which was always Memorial Day weekend, which like I would just mention the best track in Colorado is that brush in Sweeney cycle park. They would have a race on Memorial day weekend. So it would be practice Sunday and race Monday. So we would leave from upstate South Carolina Friday night after work, whatever time it would be seven or eight. 
p.m. and we would drive 26 hours straight all through the night, get to my parents' house um, Saturday night, and we would sleep, go out to brush like two hours east of Denver, go out, we would practice on Sunday, race on Monday, um, and this one, this for whatever reason, just everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong on this this actual race itself. We, uh, I seized my crank in my 450 on Monday. Oh no! And we just drove 26 hours or whatever from the East Coast. So we, um, I got to borrow a motor from the Fox trip in Colorado. Chris let me borrow his motor, so I had a borrowed motor with a stock pipe and pump gas, and that was like what I was just running for the national. Yeah. So we. Um, Made some bad decisions, and my buddy Jesse and I, we went out on Wednesday night. Um, the program was pretty loose, so we went out Wednesday say, night. Loose program, huh? Yes, very loose program. We went out Wednesday night and then um, stayed out way too late. May or may not have indulged in too many beverages. Um, woke up Thursday. There was a privateer ride day um, that always happened at uh, Watkins and Novick Gloves would always put it on. We went out, rode out there on Thursday, just felt like complete and utter dog shit, um, <laughs> which is should is given, and it's my own fault. But yeah, throw it I up left in your straight helmet. From there, <laughs> yeah, I left straight from there, and I was doing press day at Thunder Valley. That's when they were doing them on Thursdays. Right. I loaded yeah. up, left my gear on, my pants were on, I put in like, Nike slides on. I had like slide flip flops on. Mm -hmm. I had my undershirt on, and then we drove to Thunder Valley. Come to find out, like they actually set up interviews with me for the news. Oh, great! Um, and I and I sports did because they knew I was coming. I'm whatever the Colorado guy. I was one of only a couple Colorado guys that raced that year for whatever reason. So they set up a bunch of interviews, and I'm just hungover as shit. Feel terrible. Just rode like half the day, and it's whatever june so it's hot as balls out there yeah do the interview whatever get dressed go ride and uh i think second lap i was jumping this triple or i was about to jump this triple out of the hole and i was following josh grant and, like last second he checked up i was like oh, i've jumped this thing like a thousand times i'm just gonna hit it i hit it like landed off balance lost my balance and just basically went over the bars straight to my head oh no um I thought I cut my pinky off. Like I was bleeding everywhere. Definitely rung my bell, probably got a concussion, um, which leads to a lot of other head issues was probably, this was the, the catalyst for it. But right, right. this is now Thursday after I've already blown a bike up, I crashed and hit my head and just didn't say anything to right. anyone, which I don't know. A good probably, thing. Shouldn't even, probably shouldn't have even been saying this now, but, um, did J did JG stop or did he keep going? No, he was in front of me, so he didn't even he didn't even know probably. Oh, okay. Um, so I like finished the session, do the second session. I felt okay, like didn't feel terrible. Um, and then Friday we had off, so I was just getting everything ready, and honestly, I felt fine. Like didn't feel like I didn't have any post concussion symptoms or anything like that. So I was good. Went out on Saturday. Um, I'm pretty sure I had to go through the LCQ for this one. It might have been the one. I think I won this LCQ this year. Um, but come to like first moto, I take off on the start and somehow I like 
came around the first turn in like 12th. I just like dove in and cut her, cut inside of everyone and came around super close. Um, bunch of people fell in the first turn and the second turn. And I'm just riding around, like doing my deal, whatever, trying to keep a pace, like trying not to die. And, right. uh, sort of look back and look in front and see how many guys I'm like, yeah, I'm probably like mid twenties, whatever, like just going to keep it here and just see if I can go the whole time. And I like start exploding like usual. And I was probably 20, I don't know, 17 or something minutes in. And I'd gotten zero pit board the entire time. My buddy Jesse that drove out there with me, just nothing. He's just still hung over. Signals and that's it. He's still probably. <laughs> yeah. He's a little short guy, so the alcohol probably hit him too hard. But we, um, I think I was 17 minutes in or 18 minutes in or something. And he puts out the pit board and it says 17. I'm like, dude. I, I still give him shit to this day. I'm like, you didn't want to tell me that I was in the top, inside the top 20 until I was 20 minutes into this race. Yeah, already gassed. He's like, well, I didn't want you to freak out and panic. I was like, well, I would have anyway, but you could have yeah. told me at least that I was inside the top 20. And I actually ended up taking out Cooper Webb on accident. He fell oh, nice. and he fell in the first turn, I think, and was coming around to pass me. And I was just, arm pump central couldn't even hang on to the bike and uh we just like crossed lines and i accidentally cleaned him out and like he pulls into the mechanics area um to straighten his bike and then he pulled on and just like went straight and didn't turn and cut off like a part of the track yeah so he actually got docked the position so i'm coming around like just totally gassed and i go to finish the moto and i got 20 seconds and and then they docked cooper like four positions so i ended up getting 21st and oh, I was like, you've no. got to be kidding me. After right all of that, after everything I've gone through this week, I get 21st first moto. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> almost it gives a... me no pit board. Yeah, yeah, almost score a point, And I'm probably way out of shape, not anywhere close to being in shape to race a national. I have a borrowed motor, pump gas, and a stock pipe. Right. And I'm probably still hungover and probably had a concussion from Thursday. I mean, it's crazy to think like, you know, that how as somebody like, like I said, your caliber, like, you know, there's just, there's those guys up top, right? Like Eli, Cooper, Ryan, whoever's racing in 17, like there's that whole class. And then there's like the, another, another, like your Chisholms and your Tickles. And then like, it's almost like four tiers. So like for you, like, it's crazy how like you see it with guys on supercross when they make a main, they just get so excited or like guys like you, they, when they get top 20, they get so excited. It's crazy that those milestones like are so rare. Like, you know what I mean? When, when you get to that level, yeah. like you're almost like, dude, like I barely missed it. Like just barely. Yeah. I mean, even still, like we kind of talked about it on the first podcast, but like that's right where I'm at now is right on the bubble of twenties and stuff. And it's just that all that matters. Right. right now like my my riding my training my everything i'm doing now is just to get a point that's all that i care about i know i'm not going to make money doing it and i know like nothing's going to come of it but it's just a personal thing like yeah i've been through a ton of stuff which i'm, I'm sure we'll talk about in a sec but i've been through a ton of stuff to like even be at this point is pretty gnarly um for me personally so yeah that's kind of just the um yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy how, how your goal. Right now. Yeah, like how your kind of your goals change 
um, moving on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, like your goal is to race and maybe make Loretta's. Then you make Loretta's and then like, you know, then you're like, okay, I want to do good at Loretta's. And then you're like, oh, I didn't really accomplish that. Okay. Now my next goal is let's go and get my pro license. Okay. Now you get pro license. And then, you know, it's one of those things where, okay, now you get your pro license. Let's try to get top 20. Like, it's crazy. Like, our our sport yeah. how you can always evolve and get better um to like a lot of other you always need a milestone and like yeah. you always need something to go for and i think that's that's been the hardest thing of like thinking uh, recently just thinking like in a year two years whatever when i like don't try to do nationals anymore like i don't know what to do like on my riding side like obviously i have a good career and i have a good job and like great people around but like I mean, right now I can't just ride for fun. Like I have to go ride and do motos and and grind, or it's like yeah, like not you have a goal. Like you have you're you're doing fun, it. Yeah, you're doing it to accomplish something. Like you're not going out and like riding and then like eating like you know something shitty after. Like you're like all right, like I'm on a program. Like I have this, this, and this to do. Like you know, it's almost like you have two jobs almost. Yeah, so for like, sure. I mean, it is like the amount of time that you have to dedicate and like pay attention to every little thing that you do just to <laughs> just to be able to make $600 by getting a 24th place or something is pretty insane. And right. it, it, none of it makes sense at all. Like business wise and anyone listening to this, like it doesn't make sense at all, but it's just a personal goal and a personal thing, like getting to that level and just being able to line up on the starting gate with dudes that make millions of dollars racing dirt bikes when like, I pay for part of their salaries by my job. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. Like you're like, Hey, I have, I have to sell the products to make, uh, <laughs> yeah. to make some of those guys get paid. So yeah. You're like, Hey Eli, three gates down. I, uh, I sold, I sold some shit for you this week. So don't take me yeah. out, bro. Yeah. You're wearing those boots because of me. Just saying, no, I'm just kidding. He's not wearing those because of you, but it is pretty gnarly to think that on the work, on the work days, you're, you're selling well now you're selling gear and, and boots and everything but before like you were selling you know a bunch of stuff for i mean you still are for top athletes and then that same weekend you can be two gates down from them and it's yeah i think that's what's unique about our sport is there's nothing like you can't go go sell alpine star fire suits and then line up next to lewis Ham- hamilton you know what i mean like it just yeah it's not happening so that's kind of cool in that aspect but you know for you you work in the industry and you ride at the at the top level do you think there's anything that our sport could do better or improve on like do you feel like that kind of hurts us that we almost the private not that the privateers are the problem or anything you know what i mean because you guys are all all have to do it like it it is what it is but do you feel like our class should almost be all the top guys and then like or what do you like what do you think like what what could be better for our for to grow to grow our to grow our sport you know what i mean like how do we get more people involved? i don't I don't know that there's, I don't know that there's an easy answer for that. I think like yeah. looking at it, like the F1 reference that you said, like everyone drives cars. So yeah. like, it's more relatable. Same with NASCAR, same with all that kind of stuff. Like everyone drives a car. So it's more relatable and people can start on go-karts. People can start in whatever, whatever form of car or buggy or whatever racing. It's just a hell of a lot more accessible and not that it's, easier but i think it it, i mean it's easier to get into i think um would be a a better way to put it so i think there's it it is pretty crazy that you can have someone like 
me that has a full-time job. And I mean, most of the, most all of the guys that are around my positions racing nationals all have full-time jobs or, or whatever. So it's pretty crazy that you can have someone like that line up next to them. But I mean, I don't, I don't, that's just the age old question. How do you get more dollars into the sport? How do you get more people to pay attention to it? And I, I think it's just yeah. outside sponsors coming in and making it more of a bigger deal. Cause then you're going to start getting more factory rides and more people, um, that don't have to have jobs. And then the caliper is going to continue to grow and the top guys are going to be closer to each other. And I mean, like look at moto two, yesterday and or today and yesterday of how much they how close those guys were together like yeah whatever our buddy cam was nine tenths of a second off and it put him like 23rd yeah very, like 23rd very 23rd at an outdoor national for like 450 qualifying is like two and a half seconds off right or even more so than that sometimes I, yeah i think it's just the, the caliber of guys from the top to the bottom when that's all you focus on and that's all you can do i think that's how you get uh, deeper or whatever closer field of competitors? Yeah. So let me ask you this: like outdoors, will probably stay the same because it's forty guys on a gate. But Supercross, we're starting to see it now. I mean, like most of the rounds, there's nine to eleven guys that are all within tenths of each other. So do you think yeah. here in the next year or two, maybe three years or so, do you think we're going to see a lot of privateers like stop racing Supercross in the four fifty class? I don't know. I mean, I, I. I think that is that is a really good example. Like you just said, is it's definitely more like F1 and, and MotoGP and stuff. There's less spots and um, all damn near almost all factory guys. So yeah. I don't know that you're going to see less guys doing it because there's still an option to make money and like make more money than outdoors. Um, but I mean, I think it does. There, there's a few guys that only do outdoors with me being one of them, which is a, a different story. But for me, that battling around the twenties for outdoors, when they only take 22 for supercross, like that's not something that I want to try to learn. Like I've never ridden a supercross track ever. Yeah. So that's not something I want to try to learn when I'm hovering around the twenties on an outdoor, when they only take 22 into a main for supercross, like, right. I'm uh I'm all good. It looks like yeah. Phil says it's death cross. Those dudes clean each other out for sixth place in an LCQ. Like I'll uh I'll stick to just yeah <laughs> killing myself on a 35 minute moto in 100 degree weather. That sounds like a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I think it's cool to race under the lights, but as a racer, I feel like you kind of get more bang for your buck in the outdoors. If if you make yeah. it, if you make it, or like Supercross, it's it's either make it or break it. Like you can't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. You have a, I think an eight minute qualifying session and then a five minute qualifying session and like it's you're done after that like if you don't make it yeah so um, yeah I mean if you don't qualify at a national you still only get to ride for thirty five minutes in the whole day but yeah but the the thing about the outdoors though I think I like that you like for the rider or the racer is the track's always changing right you can always learn you can always do different things where like supercross like it's so like technical like if you make one mistake like you're done. Like it's yep. where like outdoors, if you make a mistake, you still have a uh, two minute lap time track to where you can kind of figure it all out instead of For a sure. 40 second track. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that's why outdoors, I think that's why it's so close too. yeah. Like you said, probably. Yeah. It's just like, it's those, it's so minor. Like it's like, so every little detail counts, like 
casing that jump or whatever. Like, I, that's a whole nother show, anyways. But for you, like racing outdoors and doing all that and grinding, it hasn't been an easy road. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, you've had kind of an early pass. You've had some big injuries. Like, keeping that focus and the the drive to stay into this this industry. You know, a lot of injuries happen in our sport. It's not if, it's when or whatever. You know, like people say. Yeah. What, what's like? What's that like? Been for you the industry injuries and then coming back because i've heard some racers and even for me like when i got hurt it sounds stupid but when i got hurt sometimes when i came back i almost was better on the bike than when i was before and i've heard like other like top athletes say that too like it's like you almost need that little break because you the grind is non-stop so when you have that little break of an injury it's almost like a way to like recharge the batteries yeah for sure i mean it's there's uh i mean i've had a couple like little ones recently that kept me off the bike for a couple of weeks and it, it definitely, I think helped now kind of reignite that spark. But, um, but yeah, my, like my bad, really bad one was 2012. Um, I was chasing pro-ams to get points for my outdoor license. And there was this, uh, this group of races called the Western pro-am series. Uh, they had one at, Freestone, there was one in ACP in Arizona and then one at Glen Helen and they put them all together. It was like sponsored by their FMS energy drink. Um, and they had a bunch of, uh, like a bunch of sponsors and there was good pro purses and they were all, um, pro am points, like paying races. So there was a couple of us that did all of them. Uh, but it was like you'd go down and race the Texas guys in Texas and the Arizona guys and the California guys. So it was, it was fun. Like they gave us, 20 or 30 minute motos or something too which was cool but i went and did those three um those three and i think you needed i don't know 65 points or something to get your pro license and um come february uh those were like october november and december and then come february there was another pro-am at acp and um i needed like whatever five more points or something so i just had Mm -hmm. to basically like race a couple of them and i would have been fine um, but I, uh, yeah, I went through the whole weekend, like did 250 pro 450 and open. And it was, uh, Loretta's qualifier and the pro-am. Um, so it was like stacked. There was right. 42 guys for the open pro class and like pretty gnarly, but, um, last moto of the weekend, I would just got a good start. I was in second or third or something. I don't remember who was leading, but there's this like, triple up out of a hole at ACP to like land up on the flat and there was a single after it. Um, and it was probably, I don't know, 110 foot something to like quad it and, uh, came out of the turn and just hit false neutral right on the face. Like was trying to shift into third and just hit false neutral. And I think, um, the bike had some motor issues at the time. Like one of the first couple, um, models of that year that came out had some motor issues and I just hit false neutral and, basically went a hundred feet landed on my feet and um basically exploded everything in my my right foot exploded pretty much everything and then my left foot i basically just fractured everything without exploding stuff but um i landed didn't really know anything happened yet i was still kind of in shock and i was like got the wind knocked out of myself and was trying to crawl off the track and as i like looked up to see if i was about to get landed on basically Mm -hmm. um abbott was actually in the air like probably landed inches from my head um which probably would have been lights out if that happened like a hundred something foot jump just landing on top of me probably would not have ended well no um 
but yeah, I like crawled off the track. The medics came over by the time I caught my breath and like tried to help me stand up and like instantly just, I knew it was not good when the pressure like came off my feet. Um, it was not good. So like mm. we went to the ER there and they took my boots off and we did all the stuff at the track and I went to the ER and they're like, yeah, you did it pretty good. Like you're going to need surgery and we're probably going to have to fuse your right ankle and you're never going to run again. You're not going to ride a dirt bike ever again. Like you're kind of screwed. And if the fusion doesn't work, like, uh, you're going to probably have to amputate your foot. Oh, like shit. it was gnarly. And I was 16, I think. Okay. 16 or 17. They tell me that, that I'm never going to race again and I'm never going to run and I might actually lose my foot. That's um, insane. so like right then my, my dad was there with me. Um, we called my mom and she like did a bunch of research and we found a ankle surgeon in Colorado, which was actually part of the Stedman Hawkins group, um, which is like world renowned. That's where Kenny's gone for all this surgeries. That's where, um, AC is gone. Like every athlete basically in the world goes to Stedman Hawkins. Mm-hmm. But my, my doctor, um, Dr. John Shank, he, he did carry Hart's ankle when he tried that first backflip and basically fell from like 50 feet or whatever. Oh, onto okay. his feet. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so he did Carrie's ankle and Carrie had the worst ankle he has ever seen. And he's like a world renowned ankle surgeon. Carrie had the worst foot he's ever seen until I went in there. Um, so it's kind of cool that I took the record at least for that, but you're winning it. I went through, <laughs> yeah, actually I got, I got passed recently, but, um, oh, okay. I, um, yeah, I got four surgeries. I had like 48 screws in my right foot and seven plates and, um, those have all come out, but I got cadaver parts and bone grafts and my left foot has like 17 screws and, um, definitely pretty gnarly. I mean, I was in a wheelchair for four months. I had to like learn how to walk again. Um, I don't think my riding style has come back to normal until like within the last year, I got into some really bad habits from not having strength in my legs. Um, and honestly, like I told someone this the other day, like within the last year or so, um, I've kind of started to ride a little bit more normal, um, yeah. which I think is a testament to like what I'm actually doing now and actually like kind of trying. Um, right. but yeah, like that was a, that was a pretty gnarly one. Um, I ended up, uh, another short story. I, I ended up, I broke my arm, um, in 2015. So after 2012, when I did my ankles, I kind of just, I mean, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk for a while. So I kind of, that's sort of when the, the program started getting a little loose. Um, <laughs> just sitting at home all the time, like yeah. had a job, was making decent money, like just kind of doing all that stuff. And then, um, I sort of got my shit together the winter of 2014 and my, my still trainer now, Rob, I'm Undie. Um, we basically just like full blown went through boot camp, like the winter of 2014 and into the winter or whatever spring of 2015. Like, I mean, I lost probably 30 something pounds, like was in super good shape, was riding a ton, like riding during the week, doing it all, like doing the full, the, the full the whole deal. deal. Yeah. The whole deal. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I went to Hangtown that year and got like fifth or sixth in the LCQ. And there, it was like gnarly, super stacked classes. Like I was batting with Sweeter and our, and Keith Knight and a bunch of dudes, like good dudes in the LCQ. Um, and then, so I didn't make it there and then went down to Glen Helen and um, made it like a lap into the LCQ. And I was in fifth and, or sixth or something and just 
in my head, I was like, Colorado's next weekend. I'll just go there and I should be fine. Like if these California guys aren't going to show up, like I'm already right here on the bubble of making it now, I'll be good for the next couple of rounds. And I was going to do all 12 rounds that year. And, um, some dude jumped like a four foot double into a turn and just landed right on top of my arm, like just my arm. So it snapped my arm, like clean break right through the middle. And, um, the injury itself like wasn't bad, but just mentally like that, that fucked me up bad. Cause I like put so much work and like got back into shape and like did all this stuff. And then, uh, and then I get hurt at the second round and just kind of sort of fell off the wagon a little bit. Um, but I came back like whatever, six weeks later and actually went to Utah. Um, and that was my first national that I made that I got 27th or whatever. Um, I actually had a bone spur in my arm and I, 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 less than five degrees motion. Like if you sit here and rotate your forearm, like side to side, I, I couldn't twist my wrist over at all Okay. because my two, my forearm bones were actually fused together from a bone spur. Um, so I qualified there, um, with that and then went to Indiana the next weekend and just got my ass handed to me. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, those were kind of the two other than head injury stuff that I still deal with now, which kind of that story from Colorado was all a little bit of what started it all, but but the ankles were the bad one. I mean, I still deal with it every day. Yeah. Um, sore ankles every day when I wake up and when the weather changes and if you land something a little too hard, I definitely, uh, definitely feel it in my feet still. Yeah. That's kind of like what uh, we had Vincent Blair on. He kind of talked about that too. He's like, he's like the riding and all that wasn't the problem of like, you know, he's like the the motivation and all that is what wore me out. He's like, I would work my butt off mm-hmm. and then something would happen. Work my butt off and something would happen. He's like, I just, I was over it. Like, I, it's like, yeah. you put all this work in and then just boom. It's like, it's just a, it's it, just it wears you down. Like yeah, it wears you down. Hard, yeah. So, um, it's, it's, I, that's why I was brought it up because I, I know for like these guys, it's like you, you just keep looking in, in the mirror and say like, what am I doing? Like, I can only imagine like for, for RV, like he, he had three ACL surgeries. It's like, but to still win four yeah. titles, like I just, I, I mean, look at AC right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's his last five years and, and on a, in the pro ranks has been just a, a roller coaster. So, yeah. Um, he's won races and then gotten hurt. Yeah. And won races and gotten hurt. And yeah, I mean, especially for those guys, like when that's your only job and that's like what you're doing and you're making a, a bunch of money and making a good living racing dirt bikes, like, it's different when I just go right back to work on a Monday morning or something after a race weekend rather than those guys. Like yeah. I can't, yeah, I can't even, can't even imagine the mental state that they're in after if something like that happens, like it's gotta be insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I know if like for me, like if I ever, like when I got hurt two years ago in Indiana, it was like that phone call, you know, to your boss is never fun. Like, Hey, like I can't work, you know, for the next three weeks or four weeks. Cause I just weeded myself out on a dirt bike. Yeah. That so, crater is still there in the stadium too. I thought or they, they had to like build the finish line around it. Didn't they? Yeah. Like there was, that was the only spot where there was four pieces of plywood <laughs> this year. Everything else was one piece. They got a little thicker in that spot. Yeah. They had four pieces just in case if someone rode across, they didn't just drop like Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
man, this has been awesome. Like we're an hour in and like, I, I feel like there's just so much so still to talk about, but I do have a few more questions for you, a few more things and I'll let you go. So I appreciate you taking this time on this Sunday to, to talk to us and, and give us a little just, bit of uh, background. Just, just trying to get some recovery in after a long weekend of motos, just sunk into the couch yeah. very deep right now. Just texting me, telling me that I didn't do shit this weekend and you just grinded, sending me your polar status and your Pretty lap much, times yeah. and everything. As you're sitting there getting pizza, yeah. Yeah, I did get pizza. It was delicious <laughs> too. Um, let's see here. So uh, huge thanks to our sponsors again. Like, like I said, like, wouldn't be able to do this show without those guys. So thank you to those guys. Uh, Spot Network TV, please check their app out, the Spot Network app. Scott Goggles, Works Connection, Motion Pro, and Bell Ray. Um, Scott Goggles, like I mentioned on every episode, their new Pro Circuit goggles out, their new military edition goggles out. So please go check those guys out. Works Connection is absolutely crushing it with whole shot devices. You guys are seeing the starts this year in Supercross. 90% of those dudes run Works Connection whole shot devices. Motion Pro, almost every mechanic in the paddock runs Motion Pro. And then Bell Ray is a big, big sponsor for us. You know, we, they've been in the industry for a long time. We're a big supporter of Two Two Motorsports, Husky, um, a lot of guys. So they've been in, they've been around for a long time. So please check out their Thumper Oil. It's it's awesome, semi synthetic. I I run it. Connor actually runs it. So we love their stuff. Yep. So huge thanks to those guys. But for you, Connor, um, we have a new segment that we just launched last week. It's uh, from a friend of ours, J.D. Beach. He is a World Superbike rider and now in the American Flat Track Series. So please check out J.D. on J- on Instagram, at J.D. Beach. Go, go support him. But me and him linked up. And even, if, even if you only like dogs. Yeah, he loves his golden retrievers. golden family. Like, yeah. Regardless like, of what else he does, that's cool. Like, the dogs are, the dogs are there, so... Yeah, those videos like I don't We're know how, dog like, how his IG stories don't cheer you up, like because those dogs just live look like they just live their best lives. So, yeah. um, I want to be a golden retriever in my next life, dude. I know, like Cam's got one, Dixie, she's just spoiled. Like everybody's got, not everybody, but a lot of people have them. They just look like they're just so full of life. Yeah, very inspiring. Goldens are very inspiring. <laughs> but uh jd's been helping me out with this segment like i said it's called beach say what um anybody listening we're looking for a sponsor for it so just shout out <laughs> just kidding just kidding but anyways i i can't thank that guy enough for coming on board so let's get to it so for jd this week he sent me over some questions one of his questions was uh for you connor like you're in an, you know being in california living on the east coast then now living in socal like What's your go-to meal after riding? Like he he wants to know if you go to In and Out. Like what's your go-to for In and Out? Because like here in Tennessee and <laughs> Kentucky, like we don't have In and Out. I think uh, I think he brought this up because I posted that video from the after the NorCal Pro Shootout last weekend. I posted the video of uh, riding and I tagged In and Out. Um, okay. It is pretty few and far between, um, but ooh, I feel like that's a. a loaded question my my in and out is just straight double double uh with fries and a shake like after a big weekend like last weekend that was the order for that yeah um the normal go-to is, is like you can't go wrong with a nice family little jersey mics or something like after a day of riding there's just you can't beat it yeah i know you're on this big like enchilada fry kick too like i don't even oh, know what that, yeah. that looks like a heart attack in a box it's, that's uh I'm still full from that actually right now, but that's, um, that's the move. There's a place, uh, right by the Pachanga Casino, uh, 
um, on the way to Fox Raceway or on the way home from Fox Raceway. That's uh, a Baja Express inside of a gas station. Sounds pretty sketchy, but I haven't died yet. So yeah. after after long weekends and a bunch of like mock national days and long motos, especially when it's hot, like that's just the carb refuel. That's just uh, <laughs> yeah, just enchilada French fries with chicken. It's just uh, you can't beat it. If anyone's in Southern California, you got to go. Baja Express at the Pachanga Casino. Yeah, we're gonna call them and tell them that we need a, uh, a Shroud sponsor. There's, there's the beach, <laughs> there's the beach segment sponsor. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this is kind of off topic. Like my own kind of question, feeding off JD's question. Like, do you have like a a go to like energy drink that, or not maybe not energy drink, but supplement drink that kind of helps you get through the day? Like you know, there's the Rhino Powers, the Armas, the yeah. the PNGs. Um, do you have like a go to that you would recommend to other athletes listening to the show? I use I use all the PNG stuff. I don't um, I don't really have a reason per se. I just kind of um, one of my buddies is I think partnered in them or like has a um, a part to do with PNG. And um, at the time I was using Rhino Power and he came up to me at that Glen Helen one day and like gave me a couple things to try and and now I've just been uh, hooked on it. I use the the gel packs like on race days or, or practice days or like going on cycles. Um, and then they have a, a really good electrolyte mix that tastes really good. And it's super easy. Like some of the electrolyte mixes that you get from like supplement companies, um, sometimes it don't taste good. So it's hard to like want to drink it during the day. Um, like when you need electrolytes or even on a normal day, but, but yeah, the P and G, um, I like the lemon lime powder, yeah. And then they have uh, they have some of the gel packs too that are um, in some different flavors. So those ones are definitely um, that's kind of my my go to lately. Just PNG. Okay. Yeah, I've seen their little gel packs, and I've seen like Alex Martin's doing like the split nutrition uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, but cool. All right. Yeah, I've always wondered that. You know, like for me, some t- I need to do a better job of like doing some stuff in between motos. Because sometimes they say the water. You know, you gotta drink water, of course. But sometimes those those hydration drinks help get carbs back into you, replenish you, and kind of help with your focus and yeah. get get carbs back into you. So, um, the one thing we haven't talked about this episode, and JD actually brought it up. I really like this question. He, uh, as I said before, he does he does road racing. Now he does American flat track. But when he did road racing, he would be at Laguna, and Laguna Seca would do World Superbike and Moto America. So it's it's more of a, a world stage. And with the World Superbike, so for for us, we have what we call MXGP, and MXGP came to the United States a couple times, and you were able to race it when it was in North Carolina. So, what was that like compared to a pro national? Like, there's the MXGP where it's hurlings and Fevra and Koldenoff and just all these dudes that you never see, and then they come over here, and you got to go out and practice. Well, hurlings was on 250Fs in, but. Anyways, like yeah. you had her Caroli and all those guys, like what was that like compared to our guys? Like, you know, what was that free practice? What was that experience like, you know, an MXGP compared to like your pro national? Yeah, it was cool. Like it was, um, it was different because they, um, there was actually like a hurricane that week through the Carolinas. So we actually didn't get to do like the two day schedule. I was kind of looking forward to the two day, like Saturday, Sunday schedule, or I think it was Friday night, Saturday night schedule or something because it was under the lights of the Charlotte motor speedway. Um, but we got it condensed, like it got condensed into a one day format. So it was actually just like, just like a national day. Um, there was 
two practices and, and two motos, basically. And I don't think they didn't have a full gate, so there wasn't an LTQ or anything. So I guess that's kind of the two parts of it is like one, knowing that you're already qualified um, was pretty rad. Like it was, they only take 40, I think, like the first 40 guys that sign up or whatever. Like there's no real qualifying, it's just for gate picks. So the likelihood of like, not qualifying and just sitting there and watching the races like there's always a chance at every u.s national um it was pretty cool to like not have that okay um but one of the best parts with the mxgp was they the free practice that we got which i don't even know if it would happen in in the u.s like if you gave the 450 pro like whatever 450 national guys if you gave them all a free practice like i feel like everyone would still go as fast as they possibly can because they do at Supercross, like they have a free practice and they all go for lap times and stuff. But one of the coolest things with the MXGP is that free practice, like no one tried. Really? Um, I followed, I followed <laughs> TXDA and Koldenhoff for the entire practice and they were just throwing whips and like stuffing each other and like having fun and act, like enjoying just riding, like learning a new track. Um, and it was cool. Like, for me, I'm like, I don't know any of these guys. Like, I'm a big fan of MXGP. Like, I watch all the races on, on the, the app and the broadcast and stuff. So, like, I know who they all are. Um, but it was cool to, like, actually get to ride with them and see. And, and that was one of the, the most intimidating things of actually riding was, like, if I'm doing a national, I know that, like, if Barca's behind me, I'm, I'm going to move right. out of the way, like, far out of the way. Yeah. But, like, I, I don't know what UTA Paulin is going to do or what Barbashev is going to do. Like, I don't know if these guys are just going to blow me off the track if I'm, like, even remotely close to the line they want. So right. it was a little intimidating, like, while later in the moto getting lapped, um, just, like, not sure what was going to happen. But uh, it was it was super rad. Like, that was one of the coolest races i've gotten to do like under the lights inside the dirt track speedway at charlotte like i just moved there so i li- I'd lived there for like two months or whatever and um and marshall welton was there and there was a couple of american guys that we all kind of like sort of group grouped up together and yeah. uh, mark Weishar. yeah so we were all just kind of like no one knows what the hell is going on so we're just all sort of in it together when all these like mxgp guys like this is normal for them they just know what to do so that was super cool that was a good um a really fun fun cool experience too um I'm, I'm, it's funny that jd asked that so he had to he had to do some digging some stuff to be able to digging. find that that's why we brought him on yeah. he's, a, he's an investigative reporter <laughs> yeah he's uh, doing a great job so for you like you race Utah and you race Charlotte. Like, what are those man-made tracks like? Like, of course, all the dirt bike tracks are man-made for the most part, but these these courses that are not there full time that they come in, they build them, and then they flatten them after. Like, what are those? What are those been like? Do you enjoy them? Do you think they're weird? Like, because I know like Utah, I've heard from a couple people like it was kind of sketchy, but I didn't know like yeah. Thunder Valley or not Thunder Valley. Sorry, if Charlotte was kind of the same thing. If it looked like a fun track, but when they build these things kind of quick. And it's kind of one of those in and out type deals. Do you, yeah. enjoy, do you enjoy those tracks or do you, does it take you a little bit longer um, to get used to them than like a normal outdoor? I think it's, it depends, honestly. Like Charlotte was really good. It was built really well. It was, it was friendly. There wasn't anything that was like terrifying. Um, and unlike Utah, uh, the year that I did Utah, it wasn't too bad. 
um, as opposed to like the year before that, it was terrifying. Just watching it was scary. Yeah. Um, so the year that I did it, it wasn't terrible, but yeah, like I said, the Charlotte one was really fun. Like it was pretty mellow. Um, as far as like safety wise, it wasn't anything super gnarly. And that could have been the fact that it was at night under the lights. Like that was one of the scarier parts was I've like never ridden under the lights, like at night. So I had to do some like local races just to sort of get my feet wet under lights, uh, which was kind of weird, but it was, it was strange. Like having, having a, a hurricane hit that week, like it was, they did a lot with the track and, had all of the um basically like lime and a bunch of different random stuff that they could put on the track because it was a dirt track like they obviously know how to do all that stuff so they actually ended up watering um the track before we any of us rode but you'd go through some turns and everything was shadowed from the lights and like the inside rut would be like three inches deep and then the next rut over would be like three feet deep and you couldn't tell because it was all shadowed so bad so it was it was a little intimidating like for that aspect just because it was at night but um but yeah they're, they're not too bad if they're built right okay yeah so it's not it just takes adjust more more adjusting than anything the lights were yeah, more thing like really the tracks get, yeah they sometimes get scary just because they'll like put massive jumps in for no reason like they don't need them but they'll just put them there just because they like whatever it's for the fans or however they want to look at it right it's a spectacle type of deal yeah no i mean that's cool though like you've you got to experience some some fun stuff um so fox raceway thunder valley utah charlotte um hangtown like what are what do you have a favorite uh that's a good question i've honestly i've gotten to do a lot. I've ridden almost all of the national tracks. Actually, I did Unadilla, High Point, okay. Bud's Creek. I've I've ridden at the, some of those. Um, I did Tennessee, not uh, Loretta's. I did Muddy, Muddy Creek. Okay. I think my favorite one was honestly probably High Point, and like no one else really likes High Point from what it sounds like from all the other riders. But it just the track flowed. It was a super fun track like up and down through the hills um between that and unadilla like i i remember sam was talking about um sam redmond was talking about unadilla just being a super fun flowy track and i definitely agree with him it's a really fun like yeah historic natural natural. yeah very natural yeah just up and down through all the hills and like and just seeing some of that stuff like growing up mainly on like in colorado and on the west coast like seeing High Point and Bud's Creek and Unadilla that I've watched Nationals at for like 15 years it was pretty cool. And actually getting to go ride and like try to qualify um, with a loose program was was pretty cool to actually get to ride those tracks though. Oh, I bet. Yeah, and yeah. I've done Red Bud and Millville and all those too. What about the prep? Like how's the prep been from like when you raced in 14, 15 to like now? Like a lot of people say like the track's have changed and and like they were more hard packed back in the day and maybe maybe in 15 that's they were kind of getting more deeper and yeah softer. i think it was a little bit before so a little bit before my time different in the prep at all i think it was a little bit before my time of raising nationals that they were okay. not as gnarly because it's been like 
every national you go to now, um, it's just insane. Yeah. So, like even at Fox Raceway this year, it was in October or something. It was, I don't know, 70 or 80, like pretty good weather, but they watered so much in some of the spots that, um, actually right after the finish line, you kind of like hooked right a little bit. And then mm-hmm. there was like a 180 left, um, up over a little tunnel thing. And it was, uh, right before the mechanics area that, that inside right before the mechanics area in the left, we couldn't take until halfway through the first 450 moto at like one thirty in the afternoon. Like that's how muddy it was. Oh, dang. So it's just, it's sometimes like the, the whole qualifying thing sucks because no one's going to go outside of the one line when it's all timed. Like you're going to stay in the one line because it's way faster. Right. And then when the track guys do that on purpose and flood the tracks on purpose, just to make it look rutted and cool and gnarly, it just kind of ruins the whole thing. Like from the start, when it's that muddy and that sloppy and shit for first practice. And yeah, it's like back, yeah. in, back in like Iron Man when like a couple guys, privateers were like super fast in practice. Cause it was so muddy. And it's like, yeah, you rode really good, but like the race conditions are going to be way different than qualifying. Like it's not, yeah. it's hard to compare apples to apples for sure. So, but yeah, no, I get it. Um, man, that's, that's awesome. Like I said, like just, you've been through a lot, you've done a lot, you know, with, especially with your career, like I get a lot of questions of how, how to get in this industry. And I think we cover that pretty good. I mean, like there's probably more, even more. I don't doubt I won't have you on again at some time, but that's the biggest thing. People like we've talked about it show after show and, uh, wheels did a good thing. You know, when we had wheels on. He, he was like one of the first people to mention. It's like, you just got to adapt, you know, Connor and I did the same thing. We, we just packed our stuff and, and moved so we can get a, a career and, get more involved. So it's sometimes you just got to take those opportunities and, and go for it. You know, working at a dealership is huge. A lot of companies nowadays want the dealership experience. So, you know, starting at a dealership, you're not going to get paid the best money, but it's going to, it's going to be good for your resume in the long run. So that's probably what I would recommend the most is just make those relationships and, and get the experience under your belt. And and that's, if this is something you want to do, that's going to be the biggest part for, for what I, you know, my recommendation, Connor, you have any, you have any insight on that? Definitely. I mean, I think exactly what you said, just like getting, getting to know the right people, I think is the biggest, the biggest thing. And, and being a, a shop, I mean, you and I get asked it all the time. Like, how did you get to where you are? Um, and you started a shop, you build a relationship, you get to know the reps and that all kind of just comes through that if you're good at what you're doing and um responsible and show like the effort to continue to grow and then some some opportunity does happen and yeah you're probably gonna have to move across the country to do something yeah um because there is not a there's a limited amount of of jobs in the industries especially that are good um that pay well and are, are career jobs not just kind of stepping stone things so Right. Definitely, yeah. You you have to take the chance if something comes up and you get it. I mean, you and I are both uh, prime examples of that. We both moved to places we've never even been to, just for jobs, and and now we've both moved again for yeah. jobs too. So, yeah, it's just a uh, it's just a revolving door, and you just you like you never want to burn any bridges, and you just want to you know take interest in every opportunity you can, and just never, never like just doing this podcast, like you know it's one of those things where I never thought I was going to have a podcast, but it's been able to have me interview people that I never thought I would interview it, make new, you know, 
Damon from Husqvarna. I got, I got to interview him. Never met him. Now we talk quite a bit. So it's like you just never know who you're going to meet, never know what relationship you're going to make. So take those opportunities, embrace them, and, and just have fun. So for you, Connor, like – See you, Bradshaw. Uh, I, we talked. Like I'm going to see him – not this weekend, but next weekend. And we kind of talked about it because I'm going to be with him for four days. So, like, I was thinking about yeah. taking my equipment and, and talking to him. But we'll see. Like, I hate to sure. bother those Like, you know, there's another rider that I talked to, you know, quite a bit. And Dan, Dan Colvin's like, you need to get him on. I'm like, dude, like, I'm scared. Like, I just, I don't feel like I have that relationship with him. So, where Damon, I, I have a better relationship. Like, I, he's in my phone. Like, you know, I mean, I text him. So, I, I could talk to him more. But it's just, I'm scared. I don't, I don't know. We'll get there maybe. I, everybody listening right now is probably thinking we'll I'm, a, I'm a pussy, we'll but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. We'll raise them at a time. Um, so, Connor, thank you. I really appreciate the time. Uh, it's been fun. And I hope uh, more people follow you on Instagram now because of my show. I doubt it, but I you know, I could be hopeful. I hope your show gets more followers. Yeah, I need to promote it. I need to do on. a better job of promoting it. So, um, no, you've been a huge help. Like I, like you mentioned earlier in the show, these relationships, you know, without you, I wouldn't know Kenny. I wouldn't know Brock, Tony, you know, Cody. So made a lot of good relationships, had some really good guests on. So if you guys haven't had a chance, please check check all our podcasts out. We've had some really good industry insiders on, some really cool stories. Um, just, man, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy road, but it's fun. But before I let you go, anybody you want to thank or anything, Connor? Just you, you for uh, getting me on and supporting supporting the cause and watching this thing grow. It's been pretty cool being on the first show and then the twenty first show. Um, milestones, real yeah. real athlete, first active racer on the show. <laughs> first first active racer, actually the second active racer now because <laughs> Sam Sam beat me there. So yeah, Sam technically beat you. Uh, yeah, my bad. Right? Thanks, thanks for having me on. Of yeah. course. Um, it's always cool to cool to talk about and i think a lot of things like like we talked about the reason why we kind of did this is there's a lot of things that i that you didn't even know and we've been friends for multiple years and yeah i mean there's other things that we didn't even get into that i've done that my some of my closest friends probably don't even know the things of racing and racing the baja 1000 and doing uh like some nxtp and i don't think uh a lot of people know about some of that stuff so it is cool to get in and um, show that side of of my like career path and, and life and then um, obviously on the professional side too just to show like kind of how I got to this point where I'm at and yeah sort of help help people get into the industry however they can and sort of give them the right steps of how how I did it and how you did it has been uh, been a pretty cool pretty cool platform that you have here yeah it's been fun so just kind of taking a little different approach and with outdoors coming up and with you racing some i i, I don't see why we won't have you on I, I expect us to have you on so i'm excited to talk more about that and then like you mentioned the baja we we didn't talk about that today but you know we'll leave the leave the interest there that's a whole yeah. other episode in itself yeah leave the guests uh curious about that so because i know mexico is a a wild wild place so but yeah, like it's been fun and I'm excited. Like I said, with outdoors coming up, I, I know for sure we'll have you on again and hopefully we'll have some cool stories to tell and hopefully I'll be at some of those nationals with you. So overall, thank you so much for the time. Thank you to our sponsors, Motion Pro, Scott Goggles, Works Connection, Bell Ray, and of course, Spot Network TV. This is episode 21 with Connor Olson. Man, that's a wrap. Thank you, Connor. Thank you. No worries, buddy. Talk to you soon. Yeah. See ya. See ya.